Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yo, Art, Adrian, I seriously want to thank y'all for getting on this podcast. I know it's it's late for you, Art. You're in the East Coast, so it's almost 8 o'clock for you. It's almost 5 for me, but for Adrian... It's like eight in the morning right now, right? Yeah, just woke up pretty much. Where do you, where do you live, Adrian? You Australia, live in the, but the North Pole? Oh, it's, Australia, uh, okay. it's Perth, which is also the most isolated city in the entire world. So it's pretty far from everything. Nice. Is that because you're just a famous YouTuber and you just need to hide from everyone? I don't know. It's more like, where are all the YouTubers <laughs> here in Perth? So if I wanted to travel, I'd have to, like, I think, travel for 10 hours just to get to the next city to, like, meet someone. That's interesting. Yeah. Did you grow up there? That's yeah, hold on. Yeah. That's interesting. Hold on. Go on. <laughs> if you want to travel to go somewhere else in Australia, you need to drive ten hours. Oh, away. it's it's driving distance would be like twenty hours probably. Um, flying distance maybe like four to six hours, and then the time difference then adds another two hours. Wow. So like, yeah, it, it's a bit. It's a it's a stretch. Like it's faster for me to fly over to probably Singapore than it is to go anywhere in Australia. Okay, I'm staying here in Vegas. I live in Vegas. So everything's like perfect. So many one-way trips here, one-way nonstop flights here in Las Vegas. And Art, where, where do you live? So you're in the East Coast, but where do you live in the East Coast? So I'm in Pennsylvania, uh, specifically nice. in Pittsburgh, uh, the sort of old steel capital here in uh, Pittsburgh. It's not so much anymore. We're, we're, we've modernized since then. But uh, yeah, right on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. And you got that East Coast accent too. Ah, shucks. I try to hide <laughs> it. I never can. Yeah. No, you can't. That's impossible. Yeah, I appreciate you both being on here. I know uh, the time zones, it was hard to find something that, that works for all of us. But I'm really glad to have you both on this podcast because you both are doing very interesting things in tech. Right? Whether if it's a newsletter, creating content, knowing quite a bit about like startups, building businesses, and et cetera. And I want to ask, and whoever wants to answer this, for the folks who are listening to this right now, for those who may not know you for some reason, right? what is something that people should learn from you. Like, what's that value that you want to give to the world? If there was like one thing in one sentence you want to talk about and share with the world, what is it that they can learn from you guys? I'll let you go, Adrian. Oh, all right. Yeah, sure. Um, for me specifically, I've always enjoyed being at the bleeding edge of technology, not even the cutting edge, bleeding edge. Um, and that kind of threw me into where no code was heading, where AI was heading, even just web design. And so like, I've tried to put all of these together and like kind of create content on that because that's the kind of stuff that usually excites me. And so that's kind of how my YouTube channel and everything started. And that's the kind of content I love creating essentially. It's interesting because 
well, you talk about no code and it feels like every single company is creating something regards to no code. There's Wix, no code. Um, Stripe tries to make everything no code kind of. You paste a, a line of code into your website. You can use Stripe immediately. Does that mean front-end developers are losing their jobs? With the world of no code popping up, like what, what, what do you think? Is it because of AI, no code's becoming so irrelevant now? It's popping up left and right. I think, um, at least personally, it's like someone who does farming and suddenly you have like a mechanical truck that does all the farming for you. It doesn't mean your job goes away, but it means what you can do is faster and quicker and requires less manual labor because now the machine is doing the majority of it. You just need to learn how to use the tools rather than doing everything by hand. So I shouldn't be worried about my job. Wait, I don't have a job no more. I was laid off. <laughs> I, I still, I, yeah. I, I'm st I need to switch that mindset. No, okay, that's a good point. I like that. I like that. Because the amount of comments I get or the amount of people who do who pay for these one-on-one -on -one mentorships with me, link is description below for anyone listening. But almost every single one of them brings up AI or no code or, you know, the Squarespace. There's um all these other companies, Wix, right, out there. So why would people need developers anymore? Yeah, if you like, have any thoughts about this too, Art, please go ahead and say something too. Yeah, you know, I think that first and foremost, you're always going to need developers because somebody is building and maintaining and updating these apps, even if they're no code or AI apps, there's, you know, mm -hmm. code behind all of these apps. And as they get more advanced, I think that if anything, you're going to need, you know, more advanced and more knowledgeable developers, more senior level developers, and those come from junior level developers. So I think you'll always need developers. And I really like your analogy, Adrian, about uh, machinery and farming, because I think that's so true. But, you know, in my in my experience, you know, as as these tools emerge and new features emerge, uh, for specifically talking about no code, you know, uh, AI, SaaS type tools, the the tooling just keeps getting better because uh, there's developers behind the scenes, you know, building new features all the time. And as more people use these tools, right, um, there becomes more need to build new features and support the existing features. So then again, you need more developers. So I think that uh, developers are not losing their job anytime soon. And they might even from time to time be using some of these no code tools to speed up their job so they can sort of, you know, focus on the, the core features rather than bug fixes and things like that. That's a really good point that you, you, you both brought up about this. Could that mean though, that, you know, in, in the tech space, a lot of people, when they first jump into tech, they learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And I would say because it's just a lot easier than C++, whatever Java that they teach in school nowadays too. Should people, should more people strive to learn more AI engineering now? And when I say AI engineering, not deep learning, not machine mm -hmm. learning, but GPT, <laughs> GPT engineering, right? The new thing that came out within the last year. Is that something that you both suggest from what you're seeing now in this space? So if I was to think at least how I'm building websites these days, um, I am using ChatGPT. I'm using Copilot in VS Code a lot. Um, and what it essentially allows me to do is if I'm writing out a line of code or a function, I can actually use ChatGPT or Copilot to write in, how can I do this function? And it like writes out an entire function for me. So it doesn't mean that it's replaced what I've done. It's made the whole process easier. But on top of that, I've now learned how to create that function properly. 
But if I don't know JavaScript, if I don't know the fundamentals, like it just looks like a foreign language, right? So you still need to know the fundamentals, but it's definitely helping me create that a lot faster, learn how to basically write that code better. And then in the future, I can update that to however I need it to be. So for me, it feels like you do need to learn a little bit of these AI tools because when you do, you're going to do whatever you do a lot better and they're not going away. Essentially the next development um, type of, sorry, the next type of developers will be using those to create code. But um, like, it's not going to take away the kind of stuff that you're doing. It's just going to enhance it really. Well, have you, me using GPT and actually, I, I finally installed Copilot only today because I just tried to stay away from that because okay. yeah. when I was in tutorial hell, I remember thinking I can't do anything without tutorials, right? When I was, when I was a junior developer, <laughs> mid-level developer too, damn it. Um, and one thing that sometimes worries me about people who depend on like GPT, Copilot AI when building things, as particularly new developers or people trying to move up into a mid-level position, et cetera, is when you depend so much on GPT, you kind of stop thinking like a developer. And what do I mean by that is, for example, now you're not struggling trying to find a solution to a problem, a Stack Overflow or Google or Reddit, you name it. Now it's just, you get the answer like that, but because you didn't struggle to solve that solution, it's given to you. You don't remember that solution when you encounter that problem again in the future, potentially. See, I think there's a bit of a fallacy in there. And this is for anyone who's used ChatGPT or any AI tool long enough, they'll understand that it's kind of useless getting a generic question. You, if you want a answer from ChatGPT, you have to understand your question. So that means that if you're a developer, you ask the right question. Like for example, oh, build me a farm. ChatGPT won't be able to do anything. But if you go, I want to build an apple farm and I want to use specific soils which I have in hand and this is the size of my field and this is exactly the tools I have at hand, then it can give you an accurate answer. And so in the developer world, it's the same thing. The better you understand how you want to solve a problem, you can simply ask for that question a lot better and then it's a lot more useful of an answer. I think that's the, um, the thing behind ChatGPT. That, that's why prompt engineering is such a big thing because you have to kind of know how to ask the question and you have to also be a bit of a developer to know how to, do, to be able to do that essentially. Mm. But that's what I found out anyway. Did you have any thoughts about that too, Art? Yeah, and just to preface this a little bit, I am actually not a... Uh, traditional developer. That's why I was so drawn to the no code in AI space uh, because I wanted to build these things. I wanted to build internal tools, external tools, automations, all these different types of things, but I didn't have those skills. And all of a sudden, no code tooling allowed me to build these sort of crazy ideas in my head. Now, um, I can get around CSS a little bit, I could definitely work with APIs. But I'm mostly just doing that. I'm not um, building applications from scratch. I never, you know, developed that skill set. So that being said, I agree with Adrian. I continue to like your farming example. You must be farming. You live in the middle of nowhere. Side, <laughs> you live in the middle of nowhere. Um, it sounds like a good. Uh, Except it's like project. 40 degrees here, so you can't farm. But yeah. Um, but but the same thing, you know. If you you know kind of crap in, crap out, and you really do have to teach yourself those fundamentals so that you can ask the right questions and then 
you know, iterate properly on, on the results. And I think, you know, uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of wasted time out there before where, you know, you were doing just, just what you said, sort of like, you know, crawling through stack overflow questions, but a lot of that was junk too. So maybe you were, you were trying to learn, but you were sort of going down a lot of wrong paths and maybe it wasn't really that effective of a learning method. And if you, uh, work through, you know, Copilot or whatever the right way, you you can actually learn much better without having to sort of unlearn things. So maybe there's a there, there's a silver lining there, but um, I think you could see it both ways. That's a really good point because I don't ever want to. Now this is because I have seven years of experience now. I can't see myself going back to going all over Stack Overflow, going everywhere in Google, making sure I you still have to type this, you know, the correct terms into chat GPT to get the answer you're looking for. But I don't, I don't miss that. And when I think about it, if I was to go back seven years ago when I was a junior developer, how much easier would my life has, would have been as a developer if chat GPT existed at that time? How many hours you would have saved from not, you know, spending four to six hours Googling a bug that happens. And then you find out, oh, it was just a simple line of code you found that was was somewhere else, right? (laughs) Exactly. I've done it too many times as well. So if I could save, you know, six hours a day whenever I had bugs like that, it's just six hours extra you have that you could use for learning, you could use for developing, you can use for all sorts of things, right? No, that's that's, that's so true. Talking about... AI and GPT and you name it, right? What are some ways that people should be using these things and they don't? So like what I use it for, when, when a sponsor reaches out to me to create an ad script for them, they give me the talking points. I literally copy and paste those talking points into chat GPT and I, and I ask GPT, create the script for me so I don't have to. It has to be less, it can't be longer than 90 seconds or it has to be more than 60 seconds, et cetera. It creates a script and literally that's what I use in every single video the last six months. Whenever you know a sponsor kid sends me, uh, of um, wants me to do a video for them. Mm-hmm. Other than that, and encoding, of course, right? Of course, who wouldn't use mm-hmm. that for coding? Are there any other ways that you guys have used GPT? We've seen other people use it that maybe developers or whoever can use as well. I've got a specific one that I always like to ask ChatGPT, and it's depending on whether it's a script or whether it's a piece of code or whether it's a day-to-day live question or even um, like, for example, a sponsor segment, like you said. It's to put in all the information that I know so far in text format or whatnot, and then ask this one question. What have I not considered or thought about based on everything above? Mm. It's a very broad question. But it basically lets ChatGPT recommend questions that commenters might ask, things that I've missed out on videos, things that sponsors would find more appealing. It's a broad question, but it's one that allows me to get myself outside of my head because I know what I've considered, but I don't know what I have not considered. And so it's kind of like bouncing that question off another person, essentially. That's a good, that's a really good idea. Whenever I add that additional line, the additional prompt, it's always don't sound like a robot. <laughs> right? Don't sound like AI. Yeah. Um, sound, uh, maybe have a little simpler vocab, right? Uh, no, that's a really good point. What about you, Art? Yeah, for me, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people can probably relate to this, but using, you know, chat GPT to, you know, create content, let's just say it's for a blog 
or a script, you know, it often does a very good job of doing that, but it sort of has this sort of GPT sound to it, right? Where it's not quite human, it's a little too robotic, and you can't get it quite right. But one of the things that I like to do, I think similar to you, Chris, is take uh, sort of just sort of auto use it to automate the, the busy work. And it gives me uh, YouTube descriptions are a very good example where I'll take a title for a video and then I'll have it generate a YouTube description from that title. Um, seems sort of basic, but it saves a lot of time, you know, over the period, yeah. over the course of a month or so. And then I'll, you know, usually tweak that, but it gives me a really good starting point in often suggest things that I would have never thought of, right? So I like to use it a lot for that. And as, uh, you know, as Adrian said, I, I like to just uh, put information in there and then ask it questions about that information. Like, um, does, you know, how does this sound to uh, this role, for instance, like, would this, would a accountant be able to understand this? Does this make sense to them? So, you know, try to like frame it in different ways. I think that that's helpful. And there's probably a lot, lot of ways, uh, you know, that I could be using it more, but I like to integrate it a lot with tools like Zapier. So I run things through, you know, these sort of like automation steps nice. and generate content with uh, GPT. So yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's great. How is this stuff changing your lives? So like, and, and the reason I ask is because you both start are working on something together, right? There's mergewebdev.com. And it's to all it's talking about, you know, it's focus on no code, right? Focus on no code platform. But it seems like you you're using all of these things to make a living and survive, right? To live in this this world is so expensive now. Just for a couple of days of food, 100 bucks. And when I cook that food and eat it, no, this is actually only uh, a day and a half worth of food, but I like to eat a lot of food, right? And, and so you've now, w with all of these things put together, you started mergewebdev.com, which is really a, it's a landing page to your Discord community, right? Yep. And what is the goal of this? What's the, the goal of this community? Why did you, you guys create this? Ah, uh, you want to jump in? Yeah, so, you know, the goal of the community is to bring you know, like, let's take a step back. There's the, the world has always been changing fast, but especially in the tech space, it changes faster. And in the last year, we've seen it change faster than it ever has been before. It's, it's like a new frontier, right? Insane. And I think that there's a lot of people out there, both technical and non-technical, that are, you know, excited, that are worried, that are confused, that are trying to keep up. And in the midst of all of that, you can feel isolated, you can feel alone, you can feel not connected to other people. So the idea of the community is like all of these, wor these worlds are colliding, by the way, you've got non-technical people colliding with technical people, colliding with, you know, project managers, colliding with real estate people. And it's, it's really kind of crazy and everybody's at a different level. So I think that the idea behind the community is to bring all these people together in a common space that they can feel like it's a community. Um, there's some moderation in there. There's events in there. There's uh, office hours in there so that we can, you know, give you that sense of connection in a world that's becoming arguably more disconnected. So I think that that's the goal. We're still working towards some common themes. It's a new community to see what resonates, but that's what we're, that's what we're trying to accomplish with it. And we've, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of different tools in the community, 
but we like to recommend the right tool for the right person, which might be a mix of no code, code, and AI, depending on depending on the role. So, in in that community, are you both seeing you know the developers in there? Do you, are you seeing the use like are you seeing developers using no code platforms more often than not, or like deferring to them now rather than straight up writing everything out? Is that what you're seeing now in your community? I've actually seen a little bit of both, actually. So that's, I think, the interesting part that it's the fact that it's developer kind of people, but they're now starting to dabble in no-code tools, in AI tools, and there isn't really that many places to go for such things. And um, essentially, this is one place where we kind of want to combine or merge everything together so that we can have a playground. Like I've integrated uh, Midjourney into there. I've uh, integrated ChatGPT with a bot in there. And I've got like different types of posts we do that we're sharing like what's happening. Like one guy in that community actually put together one of those AI super agents. Um, And it's like one of those ones where you're just like, oh, can you do this for me? And it creates like 10 different little agents and they work together and talk. Is that the auto GPT? Yeah, that's that's the one. So uh, (laughs) it's really interesting what's happening in there, to be honest. And um, then there's just general people that are just building websites and portfolios and they just want like design reviews. So we jump in, we help them out too. That sounds like a full-time job. Yeah, it's it's a community. Like you know, whenever you do have a community, like stuff starts to ramp up. I think we've got about six to seven thousand members already in there, which is pretty good. I think. Wow how how long has it been around? How long have when did when did you start this community? Um, I started the community of what used to be like Codex. So I have the YouTube channel Codex, and for the third YouTube channel, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the YouTube <laughs> channel. And so for the last year or two, I sort of had this community that was happening in Discord, but nothing was really happening there. It was just somewhere that people would chat to me about. And it wasn't until just this year that Art and I decided to join up and actually turn this into something of a real community rather than just mm-hmm. a small space with live chat. And I think it was this year, essentially, that uh, that we started doing that. And obviously, that resonated with a lot of people. And now it's here. Exactly. And I, what is interesting is that you partnered with Wix Studio with Merge Web Dev. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, basically, there's a lot of no-code tools out there. And as I was dabbling, Wix Studio kind of resonated with me. And I was lucky enough to meet them. Because like, if you have a look at all the other tools, they like if you even have a look at, for example, Webflow or something, under the hood, it's all just HTML. And you're moving blocks around like you would normally program. But like what was different about Wix Studio I found was if you've ever used anything like Figma, um, you actually get full control of like how you're building the no-code tool. Mm. You don't ever have to worry about the code in the back. And that kind of like was interesting for me because as a designer, that's like how I like to design, like in Adobe Photoshop, in Figma and everything. I just like to move my elements into place. And that's kind of why I liked Wix Studio. For, so for me, the, the the work with them was like perfectly aligned and um and yeah so they they supported that channel and they're helping it grow and they actually introduced me to art which was great and that's kind of how these things are basically naturally progressing yeah i was actually about to literally a good transition i was actually about to ask how you both met because <laughs> philadelphia and, and and australia especially where you live in australia is kind of far away 
from one another. Yeah, I think that, that Wix uh, is definitely the, the common thread, and we probably would have never collided. Maybe we would have later, but, um, you know, it definitely brought us together together faster. And for me, um, being non-technical, um, I was actually using Webflow prior to using Wix Studio, and I was running into a lot Webflow. of limitations, right? I had members, I had gated content, mm. I had you know, extra features that I wanted to implement on top of what was possible in Webflow. And I literally just went out there and started to look for solutions that would be, you know, not full code solutions, but, you know, something better than Webflow for what I wanted to do. And I ran into uh, what, what, is, what is now called Wix Studio, but previously was Editor X, um, which is a very similar product. Wix Studio is uh, much enhanced, but it really gave me all those tools that I was lacking in Webflow, the no-code tool, you know, the no, sort of no-code website builder uh, that I was using because you could extend it with code. And if you, um, if you got to a point where you couldn't build the features that you wanted, you could just literally hire a developer and um, they, they have their own language. Uh, but I, I think Adrian is similar to, to like a JavaScript, um, and you can build build anything right on top of it. Um, you can even sync your your whole project to GitHub. Right on top of what you built on Wix Studio. Yes. Oh yeah, wow. So yeah, so our site, um, uh, which is a, is a content management site, uh, but it has members, it has all kinds of other features, uh, is all built on Wix Studio. So it's been a great tool. Whoa! I had no idea. Okay, that's impressive. That's impressive. Now, okay. I really am curious about your both of your past though, like where you got to where you are today, right? So like for example, you art, you have a pretty decent following on, on on Twitter. You have your own YouTube channel as well, no code devs, and on Twitter, no code devs, newsletter, okay, everything. <laughs> no code devs, right? Like what brought you to create this? Because this is really interesting. It's a very unique. I I seem I feel like it's a very unique niche where uh, no code everything, right? What brought you to this part? Of, I don't even know how to pronounce it. This part of the this this space, this niche. What brought you here to yeah, start this? Yeah, that's a great question. And really, it was out of my own frustration with not being technical. So I was a project manager in mm. a totally different world, non tech world. You don't, you don't miss that? <laughs> yeah, project management was fun, but I got burnout after about 10 years. And part of the burnout was because I didn't have access to developers uh, because it was always a budget thing or a staffing thing. Um, and I didn't have the skills to build it myself. So I wanted to build all of these tools and automations to basically make my job as a project manager a little bit easier. And mm. I couldn't figure it out. So I started to dabble way before the sort of like no code movement came around. It's, let's call it 2020 um, in different no code tools. So I was using like Zapier very early on with like Smartsheet and I was creating all these different automations. And I think I, ironically enough, was on Stack Overflow trying to figure out how to work with an API or something like that, which led me to a, you know, some something on Twitter where people were talking about no code. And, the, you know, the sort of like, you know, light bulb moment went off. I was like, well, this is, you know, this is what I've been doing for so long. And this is like, not to overuse the word, but this is going to be the democratization of, you know, software development on in, in the future. So I just sort of saw this as a trend. And I was just personally very interested in it, right? So 
right about that time, like the Webflow, the bubbles, they were shipping features fast. There's a lot to keep up with. So I basically just started a newsletter. And as I built out this newsletter, I, you know, just started to discover that there was a lot of tools out there and there were new tools coming every day. So that sort of like evolved into this website directory, which led to Twitter to talk about it. And it all kind of just like came together at the, the, probably in the same time over a six month period, the website, the newsletter and the, and the Twitter. But yeah, I mean, I was basically just a frustrated non-technical person who liked the idea of no code and uh, went all in on, on that. So now I, here I am. I, but you know th that is great because now people who couldn't write these things by hand, right, build these things by hand with code, are now able to do it, right? Which, which is great, and, and that's literally what you're promoting now, giving people, showing people how they can do it themselves through your newsletter. And, and what about you, Adrian? Because I know you were a developer before. Yeah. Now you um, also do content full time. You do. You have three channels. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's going on? Like for people who don't know you for some reason, they're like, yeah. what, what about you? What's your story too? My journey was a little bit different. Like I was working at a marketing company back in 2021 or 20, whenever COVID didn't hit that year when COVID hit. And basically I stopped working in the office. I started working from home. And I thought, you know, the, a lot of the stuff I'm doing already, I might as well like show other people because a lot of the frustration I had with website tutorials was that for the most part, people were just doing these like fake demo projects and no one really showed a real project being built up. So I'm like, all right, I'll actually present myself coding real projects. And I started building, you know, actual client sites from scratch, real client sites. And that's kind of how I grew my YouTube channel during COVID mm. and got to the point that that channel started being more successful than my day job. So I decided to do that full time. Now, the difference I had in there was that I still enjoyed building real projects, except now I wasn't working with clients because I was essentially working on YouTube only. So I decided I would build out my own hobby projects, my own passion projects, build out MVP products, essentially, and show the process of doing that. So I started doing that. But as you know, building a site is time consuming. It can take months yes. just to build like an MVP for a product. And this is where I started looking at like what tech is coming into the forefront for me to be able to do this. And I found this little company called OpenAI and they had this like really cool little GPT-2, GPT-3 program. And I'm like, all right, I'll learn this. And so I started using this. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I started looking at no code and I'm like, all right, well, this editor X thing is cool. And I started combining them and building content around them. And yeah, I started that second channel codex. I thought, you know, I'll stick to no code and AI there. And then I'll stick to development on my main channel, um, Adrian Tuarog. And so I continued on and then like the massive chat GPT release came out. I'm like, I'm already across this. So I'll just continue building yeah. it. And that's where like that just took off even further. So I got to like kind of ride that wave, which was great. And um, doing so basically helped me run both of these channels successfully because they're both talking about two different things. One's like devs related stuff, while other the other one with Codex is like no code related stuff. But both of them have like a splice of AI. And I've just enjoyed the whole process of that and that's basically where I am now and now with these two channels where I've got dev I've got no code 
I've always liked design as well. And the third channel there with Merge is like throwing in design now. And design is good because you can relate it with both development or with no code. Um, so that's kind of where I'm pushing the forefront of things. And as a kind of byproduct of all of this, this huge community came together with Merge. And now we're actually going to be doing stuff, helping people there, doing different workshops and helping people. So that's kind of like where I am, where I'm trying to like continue building this community as almost a fourth thing. Well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I've seen the whole ride on YouTube and, and you know, everything that your, your channel has gone through and where it is now, which is amazing. You brought up OpenAI, this small company that literally almost became a very, very small company <laughs> probably oh, yes. a week ago. It, it made me think about what if OpenAI did shut down out of nowhere? I've tried Bard and Google. It's not, it's, it's not even comparable. It's like Bard's in elementary school still while ChatGPT is already on its way to getting its third doctorate's degree or something, right? Uh, it's totally a different world. What if GPT, OpenAI, literally just didn't exist anymore? Out of nowhere. Yeah, I think I think it doesn't matter at this point. Basically, every AI is like a school kid. And OpenAI just happened to nurture and grow their kid earlier. So he's matured a little bit further down the road. And it's growth spur. Exactly. Whereas Google is starting off from the baby stage, right? And they're just getting to the toddler stage. So all of them are going down the same trajectory at the end of the day. And I think OpenAI said this themselves, which is that they don't have anything else that any other person can't reproduce given time and resources. They're just lucky enough to be a little bit further down the track with a little bit more money from this small company called Microsoft to train these programs. Programs. True, Microsoft is there. They'll just eat them up. And <laughs> exactly. Them. Yeah, that's true. Oh, gosh. having Just imagine this. GBT existing in every new Windows computer here and now. Just, just, you know how there's Windows in every single PC in the world. Just imagine GBT being in all. Well, eventually, it'll just be all in our phones. It'll be basically like oh, you chat God. to it, and it's just going to be another resource that we have at hand um, running on like a little, I don't know, um, CPU or something like that. So it'll be interesting when that time comes. But uh, again, it's just another step forward that humans seem to be taken. Isn't that how you create the Terminator, though? Oh, depends. Depends. Happens? It's why, like, I you, assume you put AI in every single thing that exists in the world. Tesla has its own AI, or is it as Xcode or X Xcode? Sorry, mm -hmm. I was coding it to X. It's not Twitter on X, right? That they created their own. They created Gronk. AI will exist in every single thing. Doesn't that worry you? Like, you know, we're kind of the whole world's worried about this nuclear war we could potentially be in in a couple months. If not, you know, you never know. And then there's also AI. Doesn't that scare any of you? Does that scare you, Art? Like, what do you think about when it comes to this in the future? Or maybe it's just me. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that it's easy to freak yourself out. Um, I've definitely been guilty of it many times for sure. There's a lot of crazy implications that I don't think anyone really uh, ha knows about yet, um, except you know maybe the people behind this really small company. But I, I, I'm definitely an optimist. I think that us as humans will figure it out and use it for good. Um, there will always be bad actors, but I'm an optimist, I would say. Um, if OpenAI went away, it would, in the short term, hurt a lot of companies that are using its API to build businesses. So that would be a major pain point. But I agree with Adrian. I think the cat's out of the bag. 
Um, these other companies are going to catch up uh, probably very quickly. And, uh, you know, you'd be able to, you know, pivot to, to some other, you know, model or, or some other API if, if OpenAI went down. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be some, some major uh, growing pains. Uh, uh, Bill Gates' blog, if either of you read that, he just put out an article about um, AI agents and how these AI agents are going to be um, everywhere soon and experts at everything. And you sort of have to get an agent for these different areas of your life. It might be real estate. It might be coding. It might be your therapist. It might be your doctor. But these agents will be very, very, very good, much better than what we're seeing today, maybe 100x Which better. sounds terrifying. And they'll, they'll <laughs> really be able to help you with these very specific tasks. And I just read this article um, just the other day on, on uh, his blog. And, uh, you know, I think that's coming. And that's going to be a major fundamental shift for business and tech. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's gonna be a lot of growing pains. Um, and I think it's going to be tough, but I think we'll, I think it'll be good. We'll see. Yeah, no, I read a story. It's, it's not a, it's not true, but there were some, um, opinions people had or, uh, where they thought that maybe Sam Altman, that's how I think it's yeah Sam Altman was fired by the board because they the the researchers at OpenAI figured out AGI oh, which is artificial general yep. intelligence yeah QSTAR um, and they were they were afraid that 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 could be detrimental to humanity and because he was potentially hiding it that's why they fired him because that can you know be our nuclear bomb to ourselves. Did you guys hear anything about this? Or I guess you did, Adrian. I think sometimes you have to take it with a grain of salt because articles mm. like that are there to get the views. And so there's always going to be We're someone. not YouTubers. We don't do that. <laughs> I know how this game <laughs> works, right? So I don't often trust very much what gets announced until it actually gets announced. So um, at least that's my thought on it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. That makes sense. So last thing I want to ask, I know we're pretty much almost at time here is in this space, in this space that you're working with, right? In no code, low code, you name it. Would you still, and I'm curious, especially art where you're, you're focused on when you know, you're not as technical as a developer, but you can still do these technical things because of these tools that exist from either of you, how do you see this affecting the like realistically down the line for developers? Because seven years ago, when I started this YouTube channel, people would tell me, why should I become a developer? There's Squarespace, there's a uh, Shopify. Why would anyone need, need front end developers now? And I have friends now, seven years later, making 600K a year at Netflix, right? Some of them a million plus. Do you see this, like, realistically speaking? I know you talked about, I know you're a farmer, Adrian. But really, though, uh, how will that really change the future now? Just any, any, any thoughts on that? I'm really curious. Well, if I can jump in first, my thoughts are us, our tools or our features as developers are to make solutions. That's why we're, we build a website that solves a problem 
that is worth someone paying to, um, paying money to solve that problem. So whether we're using code to do so, whether we're using design to do so, whether we're using no code or AI to do so, the end result is we're building something technology-based to solve a problem. And I think that will never disappear. And that is worth a lot of money. It's why people at Netflix can pay so much um, or earn so much money because they're solving a problem. Yeah. And so I think that's at least what I take back at the end of each day. No, that makes sense. What about you? Are any last thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I th- I think that um, you know we the, the the job will shift, the tools will get better, but you know at the end of the day, uh, somebody's got to be there as the the creative person or the technical person who's steering that that ship, and I think that is always good. Um, you know, I think that you know I would still. Um, advocate that young people um, or people who are interested in code learn code today. I think it's still very relevant. Um, it's not going to go away. And you know, if anything, if you are one of the few people who do know who who is an engineer who does know how to code, then you'll be in extremely high demand because of the you know advances in you know the the complexity of these these systems and and what's going on. So. And, and, you know, lots of people who aren't coding are going to be creating apps with code behind them. And they may, you know, the, these these apps, I think, will be more and more increasingly open where, you know, for instance, what I'm trying to say is if I build a app with Wix Studio, um, guess what? I can get into the code and extend custom features that I want. And a lot of non-technical people are going to be playing with these apps and then they're going to need help. And they're going to need developers to help them build out custom features or integrate with other apps, other agents, whatever we go to um, in the future. You know, you're going to need those those people to help. So I, uh, you know, continue to be uh, you know bullish on on code and creators and and everything else sort of under that hood. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with both of you guys. Um, same boat. I, I think, to be honest, I think just developer and not experiment somehow with ai right don't just only focus on one thing ai is here and it's going to take over uh it's going to i mean okay well you never hold on that sounds so terrible (laughs) ai is here it's blowing up (laughs) it's blowing up i mean what i mean take over everyone's using it right and so as a developer or not or someone who uses these no code tools i think it's very important to make sure that you learn a little bit how to build something with it so that you if you're not using it you're falling behind you are falling behind if you're not using it so yeah, I mean that, that. I totally agree with both of you. Um, so, last but not least, then I'm gonna please correct me if I'm wrong, but for anyone who doesn't know Art or Adrian, so Art, you you're on Twitter, on YouTube, you have your newsletter, your website, No Code Devs or NoCodeDevs.com, and then Adrian, yep. Adrian, Adrian Twarog, let's simply tap down to YouTube, or you have your new channel, your third YouTube channel is Codex, right? Just C O D E X. Codex Community. Yeah, but yeah, Codex. Codex Community. Right? And I'll make sure to put this, all of this in the link in the description below. But seriously, Art, Adrian, I really want to appreciate you. Thank you for being on here. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much.